All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have Steph Hammerman. Now, if you haven't heard of Steph Hammerman, she's a very accomplished coach and has overcame many challenges in her life, including the fact that she's the first CrossFit Level 2 trainer with cerebral palsy. She's also overcome Hodgkin's lymphoma. She's a Nike-sponsored athlete, and she's an entrepreneur. Today, we dive into this idea of how her business has pivoted from a brick and mortar to her new staying-driven online community. Lessons learned along the way and takeaways for any type of owner in any business. I was specifically intrigued with this idea that if you have an online platform, it doesn't necessarily guarantee success in anything. And I think that acknowledging that and then catapulting from it is exactly what Steph is doing. And I can't wait for us to dive into this episode so you can get a bunch of takeaways just like I did. Before we dive into the episode, two quick reminders. If you haven't rated, reviewed, or shared this podcast, would really appreciate it if you do. Secondly, if you haven't checked out the collective, the NC Fit Collective, you're really missing out on a bunch of really cool tools as a gym owner or as a coach. So make sure you check out the collective, leave us a rating review, and let's dive into an awesome episode with Steph Hammerman. Let's go. All right, so Steph, I mean, it was a couple of years ago, you and I were talking and we were talking about you wanted to start a um, gym. And we discussed the pros and cons, the challenges you might foresee, and you ended up starting Hammer Driven. And that was like, what, maybe three or four years ago or three years ago? Uh, In 2018, we started on September 8th of 2018. Yeah, so two, three years ago. And then, you know, as as you guys built your business, obviously COVID hit and you've had a lot of, um, you've pivoted quite a bit. And so I want to discuss um, and start here. Um, You come from a, a long line of, you know, you've competed, you've built a brand for yourself as, uh, you know, an, an athlete, an advocate. Um, you've gone through a lot of challenges in your life, for sure. You've faced a lot of adversity. Um, but I imagine that owning the business, how did that compare? So you've, you know, overcome, you know, obviously, uh, as an adaptive athlete, but also cancer, um, and owning the business all at the same time. So how does that all compare when you took on the business what did you not realize at the time for anybody that's interested in starting a brick and mortar? What did you learn as you went? I'm really curious because you're a great example of someone who's overcome a lot, but this particular case is a new challenge you had to face. Yeah, this was probably the most humbling experience I'd ever um, been a part of. And, and like you said, I've been through a lot. Um, and I think the, the most important thing and the most honest thing that I could ever tell anybody is that build a foundation of success on social media. And I had a lot of support behind me, but success on social media, uh, a high number of followers doesn't lead to a high revenue count. Right. And so when we opened the gym um, with hammer driven, I was under this impression that like I was going to open my gym and put it on social media and Steph the hammer was opening this gym and it was going to be great. It was going to be successful. And the reality was that it was really, really, really hard. And it wasn't just hard um, financially. It was hard emotionally at the time, my husband now, but at the time, my boyfriend, we were 
you know, we'd have our disagreements, we've had our tough discussions, and it was really tough on relationships. I would start with some coaches, and I thought I had a great relationship with coaches, and then I realized, like, you know, I couldn't pay my coaches as much as I would have loved to, and that started a little bit of a rift. So it was, like, little things compounding at a time, but with the brick and mortar, you have so many things to think about. You have so many things, not just from the members and membership, but if the lights go out or the toilet breaks down or something has to get fixed, it costs a lot of money. And, you know, we started in a space that was 5,000 square feet, which looking back now, I definitely um, would have not gone that, that big at that to start. Um, but at the same time, as we're moving forward, I think that it's really shown me that you don't need four walls and a whiteboard to be a successful fitness business, right? I have the foundation and you have the foundation of fostering community. CrossFit is always going to be the methodology that we've fallen in love with and it's part of our foundation. But that doesn't necessarily define how you're going to create a successful business. And I've, I've learned that. And I mean, we talk about this all the time. Hammer Driven was a very expensive learning experience. And not everybody had the same financial support that I did. And I totally understand that. But I still had to worry about where money was going to come from and how I was going to, you know, not continue to, to rely on people, uh, offering me a loan or anything like that. So, I mean, there was a lot of stress involved with it. So you and your boyfriend, I remember talking to you guys on the phone before you decided to open the business and looking back on it, you know, yeah, you, you, you know, you brought up something that's really interesting to me because people don't think about like the lights and the, this and the, that they just yeah. think about the product on the floor, but there's so much more to it. So if you could go back aside from having a smaller space and maybe now realizing that, you could build a sense of community, not just through brick and mortar. But if you want to do the brick and mortar again, what do you think you could have done different leading into it before you even signed the lease that would have maybe put you in a better position of success? Was it what what, what do you think were a few key things that maybe would have helped? Having a more of an open mind, uh, I can I can be very um I can be very driven. Like I can be very focused and very driven and in one direction. And sometimes I don't always see um, the other directions or if I want to go right, I don't really see the possibilities of going left. So for me and for Ty, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for everything that he did for me, not only emotionally, but physically, he literally put everything together, made my, you know, dream, um, into a reality. But at the same time, when we would try to have these conversations, it kind of felt like we were talking two different languages. And to his credit, he just kept supporting me. But to my, I guess you'd say to my fault is that I didn't really like, want to listen, if that makes sense. And I mean, I, I know that's a tough thing to admit. But when you feel like, so passionate about something and you want something a certain way it's kind of hard to see it another way right and so I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned is like number one communication 
And at, t- at times it would be frustrating because on paper, he wasn't a business partner, right? So when we went into this new venture, we sat down before anything. And he said to me, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this 50-50. And it wasn't about finances. That wasn't, I mean, that's part of it, right? You always talk about partnerships or partnerships. Shits. In yeah, your, I've, seen in some your, par- I've seen some partnerships right? for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and so part of that conversation was you need to listen to me when I'm trying to give you a point of view. You don't necessarily have to agree with it, but at least listen, right? So I've learned the difference between listening and hearing. And that's a really big transition for me because I'll be honest, I wasn't great at that. And I'm still learning how to, how to best do that. Yeah, I think what happens, is, especially with the gym business, is you become really passionate about it. It's like a, it's like a kid who finds a toy they really want. And they can't hear anything else except for just focused on getting that toy, for example, or doing something, right? And not even a kid. I'm using myself as an example. Like I get so fixated on, I want to do this. And other people might be sharing ideas and concepts, but you're so honed in on what you want to do. The decision was already made. Um, When in reality, a business like this, it's so dynamic, has so many layers to it, has so much complexity that you're not even aware of that that when you listen to someone who's in the trenches, you almost like dismiss those things because it, they're, they're almost like you look at them as, a, as like a, 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 something that's taking you off the course that you really want to be on. I think that's a really good realization. I've been that way too, where I've had deals on the table for our business and you hear from people like, oh, that's not really a good deal. You probably shouldn't explore that. Hey, have you thought of this? But you just are so focused on getting it done that you almost dismiss their perspectives as like, oh no, they don't know, you know, and uh, I think that's a great realization because I, I've had that happen to me as well. So, yeah. And you don't notice it. Like, yeah, yeah. I would never, I would never dismiss something on purpose or, or be intentionally rude to you. Right. Like I know that you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of experience behind you and like your time is, is valuable just as, just as my time would be valuable. And when, especially when you say something or Ty says something to me, he wants to feel like he's at least being thought about, right? And so like one of the big conversations and things that we went through was don't ask me for my opinion if you don't want it at all, yeah. right? Because like, and and those were tough conversations. At one point, you know, I really wondered, he, he, he had done so much for me um, with moving to New York and like picking up his life and moving with me with cancer. And then we moved to North Carolina and we opened this gym and I really thought we were going to end up breaking up. Like I, and it wasn't going to be his fault. Like it was going to be, it was going to be me. And I'll tell you, like, I'm, I'm so grateful for his patience because through that patience, I've been able to check myself and be like, Whoa, like we are not in this alone. Like, you need to calm down and kind of relax and let people help you. And that's kind of where I was like, I can't do this by myself. And when um, March 18th hit, uh, I, I put my hands up and was like, what do we do now? You know, and, and that's when I reached out to uh, my really good friend, Kelly Myers. And she was a coach local in North Carolina. And I'm like, dude, what do I do? And she said, let's just 
do this. Let's do it together. And we sat down and the three of us had a conversation. Kelly is a mom. Uh, she's a wife and she's a, a business owner herself. She owns a floral business. And I sat down with her and I said, do you, if we're going to do this together, like, do you want to be in a partnership kind of situation or would you rather um, be a coach and just kind of work for the business? And she was like, Steph, I just want to work for the business. And so then Ty and I looked at each other and he was like, I'm not doing this if we're not a partnership because you need to understand that you're not alone. And it wasn't a point of, I want to take 50% of what you have. It was, I want to help you. Yeah. And that was, that was a really big thing for me. Yeah. Well, and then you guys are married now. So, I mean, yeah. you know, and so let's kind of, to kind of close the loop on the gym. Um, and I'm sure that you could talk for hours and hours about specifics and different things <laughs> that maybe you would do different, but I think that idea of listening, I think is really, really valuable because there are people right now, there is opportunity in the fitness space moving forward to find brick and mortar locations and open up successful locations. But I think it's really important to go out there and go to school as long as you can before you open, but actually listen to your point, right? You can go to school and go talk to all these different owners, but if you've already made up your mind and not interested in hearing why 5,000 might not be as good as starting off at 2000 square feet, as an example, then you're already yeah. so close-minded, it won't help. But you know, you're in the business, you're, you're, you're moving. And then all of a sudden COVID hits uh, about a year ago, give or take. And yeah. you guys decided to pivot from uh, hammer fitness, right. To staying driven. And this idea of staying driven is a, is an online community. Now, now you said to me, I think if I'm not mistaken, 95% of your members are um, adaptive in some way, shape or form, right. Yep. Some of them are in wheelchairs. Some of them might have, who knows, and so I guess what I'm curious about is you learned how to kind of create a community from brick and mortar. Do you think that in itself really helped catapult you to kind of finding more success? Cause now you're doing more revenue on online than you ever did in the brick and mortar. But do you yeah. think if you hadn't have done the brick and mortar, you wouldn't have known how to create a sense of culture or community or no, I, I'm curious. Um, I would say, I would say yes and no. Um, my personality is very much like, I want to be friends with you or I want to, get to know you and I want to learn everything about you that I can to help you. So like, I will go up to a complete stranger and be like, can I be friends with you? Or like, can I just, you know, get to know you and help you? So I don't think I was ever um, like afraid of fostering community or I had trouble doing that. But what I did learn was another big thing was I got out of my own way. I was so scared of pigeonholing myself to cerebral palsy or just adaptive athletes. Like I, I didn't want to do that. And it's not to a point of like, I don't want to associate with those people because that happened a long time ago where I was able to break through from that. But I also didn't want to lose my coaching skills from coaching able-bodied athletes. I love coaching Olympic lifting. I love coaching, you know, toes to bar and muscle ups and things like that. And so like, I didn't want to lose that knowledge base. And so I think what's been really cool is taking the 5% of athletes that are able-bodied and pushing them to a point that's different than pushing the adaptive athletes. I you know, when I think about my adaptive athletes, I'm watching people that are quadriplegics, paraplegics, whether they're hearing impaired, they're blind, they have ALS, 
anything that, that you can think of. And they're making their quality of functional life better. And that's the biggest win for me. I don't care what you get on, on, a, on a workout. I don't care how heavy you're lifting. The fact that you can pick something up off the ground and safely put it on your lap makes me prouder than any physical CrossFit movement that anyone could ever do. So you moved from the brick and mortar to digital. And when you did that, you've been incorporating on Zoom, right? You've been using yeah. Zoom as a platform and you're creating this sense of community. You're, you host classes throughout the duration of the day. And so I am curious, why do you choose to go just live classes? Because how many do you have a day? Uh, I think it was five. Uh, we have two classes a day that are uh, mainstream classes. And then depending on the day, we can have anywhere from two to three classes that are corporate memberships. Okay. So, yeah. So about that. And so now, you know, the, the time spent, right? Why did you decide to go live instead of pre-recorded? Um, and then do you go live and then, and then hold on to those and then do people watch them later on? And then how, how have you seen the attendance? Like how's, how's retention been? Like, I'm really curious because, um, I want to talk about corporate wellness as well, but I'm curious, you, you, you just started this business and how's the retention been for membership and membership growth, given that's all online? It's, it's so fascinating to me. So since starting a year ago, um, I've only had six members cancel their membership uh, only because it was either time restricted, right? Or they at the time didn't have the funds to be able to do it. And so one of the things that I have learned from the physical gym was even if we are set at a lower price point, I'm never going to give anything away for free anymore. My time is valuable and the, the, um, the experience that I give athletes is valuable. So if, and I understand that $20 can be expensive for some people. And so if maybe you can, you know, you can't pay for it this month, maybe you can come back next month. I never shut people out. Um, but yeah, it's been a very small amount of people that we've actually lost. And um, sometimes people just pop back in when they can. So right now we have um, anywhere from 55 to 60 members, just depending on, um, you know, the month if they have to come back or not. But it's been an amazing experience individually. And then with our corporate memberships, we have six different corporate memberships. Yeah. So, so I mean, years ago, you and I were talking about corporate memberships and that's been yeah. a, a big revenue stream for our business. And so I asked you earlier how you were able to get that. And, and the reason why the corporate memberships are really interesting is because you could generate, you know, kind of bulk revenue off a, a specific client. So if you can get some of them, obviously from a revenue perspective and, a, and also like a payment perspective where you could set up contracts with them so you could actually forecast your revenue, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you said that you got all of them through pre-existing relationships. I mean, how's that process been? Because um, what has your experience been with corporate wellness and how has it been different than an individual? Um, so I think it's been an amazing experience, to be honest. And I'm not just, you know, fluffing it up. Um, I am learning the, the art of, number one, taking what I do seriously and offering it to people. If you feel like my prices are too high, then, you know, you can, you can find someone else, but 
you know, there's, there's people that don't believe it's too high. And what I think has been really cool is that the organization pays a certain amount of money, whether they want to come uh, twice a week or once a week, or they want to have multiple classes more than twice a week. And so it just depends on the specific contracts. But what's been amazing is that the people from the corporate are liking the classes so much that they, they then buy an individual membership for staying driven so that they continue, can continue to have access to the classes throughout the week. So that's been a really cool transition that I never thought was going to happen. Um, you know, my grandparents, they uh, started a organization in New York City out of NYU Hospital called the Initiative for Women with Disabilities. And when COVID first hit, everything got shut down at the hospital. Everything, like everything was based for COVID and so no activities could happen. And my grandma reached out to me and said, would you mind, um, you know, helping these ladies have a fitness class? Because I see that you're doing some things on social media. My grandma follows me on Instagram, it's the greatest. And she says, you know, I see these classes and they're working. And I said, well, I would love to do it. Just let me know how many people I have. My first class that I had, I had like 40 people. And so I had 40 people registered. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't think I've ever taught a class of 40 people that wasn't like a seminar, you know? And so kind of going through that experience, I looked at Kelly and I was like, how are we going to do this? And she's like, we're just going to, you know, we're kind of just going to see how it goes. And the two of us were on the screen and we just watched people and we had them move the way that we moved and it was really successful. And a couple of weeks later, the organization, the person that ran the organization was like, we want to hire you on contract. And I will give her credit, the woman that is the director. She sat down with me and said, because in the beginning, I wanted her to pay $300 for two times a week. And she said to me, Steph, your prices are too low. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'm not paying you that. She's like, you're either going to, you're going to take 500 or nothing. Yeah. And it was, it so was almost like you're a, devaluing your product a little bit, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I've been there, you know, early on, I felt the same way because you almost like want to get the deal and see, so you're like, oh, how do I, how do I get this deal? And you almost kind yeah. of undercut your pricing. And so, so now that I bet you that helped earn your confidence though, that when hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> It's just, you got to get the first few in the door or the first one. And then all of a sudden, you know, your value. And now you could kind of, that's, that's a really interesting story that she actually helped you uh, earn, earn the value. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so then you went from one to two, now you have six corporate accounts, which is great. And I guess my question is if all these are live classes um, and kind of like the bandwidth becomes coaching, ultimately then over time, you'll have to hire more coaches and grow this community. So what is the vision kind of moving forward? You, you learned a lot through Hammer, right? Now you're at Staying Driven. Yeah. And the idea is obviously to grow the end user and then also corporate wellness accounts. But I guess my, my question is like, what is, are you guys spending more time doing like business planning, forecasting? Are you spending more time doing all of that based on what you had learned in the past, your, the brick and mortar? 
Yeah, so we actually have four coaches now, um, and they're actually all over uh, the country, which is cool. So one of our coaches, she's a physical therapy student. She's just finishing PT school, um, and I actually met her in one of my adaptive classes because she herself is adaptive, and I just loved the way that she was demoing movements and communicating with the members, and after the class, I sat with her and I interviewed her and I hired her on the spot. Um, so she's been with me since April. Um, and her name is Jordi and she lives in Florida. And then we have Kelly in North Carolina and uh, we have Coach Brad also in North Carolina. So it's it's been a really cool experience. And as we grow, Ty and I, um, we're going to actually sit down this weekend and kind of map some more things out. But right now, by the end of this quarter, I want to have eight more um, individual memberships. Uh, and that's just a number that I try to hit within like the quarters and trying to give myself smaller goals. Because I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made at Hammer Driven was that I would set these really high goals. And when I didn't reach it, I would feel defeated. Right. So I really want eight more members within the end of the next quarter and one more corporate membership account. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, breaking it down to like these micro goals. And so yeah. when you have your staff, you have Florida, you have North Carolina, uh, you're in Arizona. So when you have the staff around, are you guys doing like weekly staff meetings, monthly staff meetings? What are you guys doing to kind of create a culture for your staff? Because I'm curious because you're all virtual, right? So yeah. how, do you create a, how do you create a culture when you're all virtual as coaches? So I think what we've just gotten very lucky with is that the personalities really mesh pretty well. So we do a coaches group chat. So every week I will set out like, Hey, this is the schedule. Just let me know your availability. Obviously the schedule doesn't really change much right now. So they know what to expect and I know kind of where to plug them in. Um, and uh, one thing that coach Brad is able to offer our community is mindful meditation. So once a month, he actually does a full hour of mindful meditation. So we kind of know where to plug each other in. Um, and then about once a month, we'll all get together on a Zoom. But what's been really interesting is they all want to hop into classes. So at least once a week, coaches are hopping into classes and just being athletes. And one of the concepts that we've really tried to kind of, um, no pun intended, but like hammer home is this seated versus standing athlete. It's the simplest way to kind of break down. If you're a seated athlete, you're doing this. If you're a standing athlete, you're doing this. If you need another modification, we can talk. But now it's been almost a year and our athletes are creating and growing their confidence, right? So just like you would see, I watch videos of you and Caden, right? And you watch him over time, he develops his own kind of confidence. And if you tell him, I want you to do a clean. You don't have to explain every single part of the movement to him every time. You can perfect little things at a time, but he knows what a clean is, right? He knows what a burpee is. Right. So like right. they start getting this idea of CrossFit or functional fitness and their confidence grows. Yeah, yeah 100%. So I think the idea of having your trainers in the class is super interesting because you don't really think about it that way because when you have a gym, your coaches jump in and take class. But for you yeah. guys, your coaches jump in and take Zoom classes, which I think is super awesome because all the same benefits you have from being in 
in coaches classes. All, there's a variety of them, obviously, but doing it online is really cool. So, so I guess, you know, this idea, kind of some, some takeaways, you know, and this idea of kind of listening instead of just, uh, instead of just listening, hearing, I think that's a big takeaway. You know, I think other things like that you can grow and diversify revenue streams, even in digital, right. Where you can have your end user, you could also have corporate wellness accounts. And I, I think that there's quite a few takeaways in terms of what you've done and how you've pivoted. And I think looking at the your previous experiences, all they did was just kind of get you to where you're at today. They weren't necessarily failures. You're just kind of learning big, big learning experiences. Yeah. Right? And I know yeah. I've had some and you've had some too. And so um, looking at the future and taking these micro goals, I think is awesome. I can't wait to hear how uh, Staying Driven continues to grow and, and develop. Um, if someone wanted more information about your particular program, adaptive or not adaptive, like you said, uh, seated or standing, I think that's a really, you know, kind of simple way to describe it, right? You're either yeah. Seated, yeah. And then scaling modifications based on that. Where could people find out more information about uh, Staying Driven? I, I see your website, but anywhere else to go? Yeah, so they can go to stayingdrivenlive.com or they can follow us on social media, just Staying Driven Fitness. So it's at Staying Driven Fitness, uh, or you can follow me, Steph the Hammer, and you can get any information that you'd like there. So I love it. Well, I, I I want you and Ty to have an amazing, successful launch with this. I, I well, you have had a great launch there and continuous <laughs> growth. And we'll make sure to add those links in and uh, keep getting after. I love the story. I, I love the story of how you pivoted through COVID, and now you're you're not only doing better business wise, but you seem really happy, and that's. Yeah. Super, super cool, you know? You know, I think, uh, I don't know um, how many people know this, but you and I have a very long history. And it's it's been really cool to be able to talk to you and, and just explain and express how grateful I am for all of your help, whether it was, you know, when we were in New York and we were going through cancer or just supporting through those big learning experiences and those bigger kind of I'm going to call them mistakes because that's what they are. You learn from mistakes. Um, and at the end of the day, there's not very many people that are like you that are willing to be like, okay, you know, you might not listen to me right now, but we'll talk about this later. Right. Yeah. And so hey. I think that, you know, that's special. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Well, Hey, you've been awesome. You've been awesome. I, 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 I love watching the growth and, uh, Keep getting after it. And um, yeah, check out uh, Staying Driven. I love it. So um, I will talk to you soon and uh, keep crushing it. Thanks so much.